Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Thursday, December the 16th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL. And I'm joined on this very special post-early signing day edition of the BOL Podcast. Well, uh, it's not exactly over, is it, Tim Watts? Uh, Alabama with a very strong group of signees on Wednesday, even adding a transfer of note to sort of cap the day, but still maybe uh, tying up a few loose ends where this class is concerned. Yeah, you know, Jaleel Skinner, the IMG tight end, hasn't signed yet. And there's always, you know, a little bit of drama. And, the, you know, the thing is, I don't really know exactly what's going on. I know the kid earlier in the week said he planned – and you got to remember, he's in Bradenton, Florida. His parents are in South Carolina. His family's in South Carolina. The end of the school year's coming, like everybody else is dealing with a kid in college or high school. The school year's ending. You're checking them out. You're getting their stuff. They're coming back home, especially when you're at a place like IMG. So there's a lot going on. He had finals yesterday. Um, when he signs, I don't really know. I mean, you know, he could sign. You know, I almost expected it to be there this morning. Could be there tomorrow. I really haven't heard of other schools being involved but again this is recruiting you know and I don't think you really can rule out you know anything you know all we can do is keep our ear to the ground all I know is that this morning at five o'clock or so Alabama went back to practice mode went a championship mode getting ready for Cincinnati so the shift went from a hundred percent recruiting really here the last few weeks um to now they're going back to game mode and trying to write, write, you know, wrap this class up. And we said it a million times, you know, you know, fans, every fan base has got the guys that are that are not sure or they want to find the negative and everything. Bama is always, always going to have more players than spots while Nick Saban's there. They're always going to have guys. And they did at the end of this cycle have to pass on guys. And I say this on the message board. I know you've seen me say it for for two decades, the, the, the fans, we don't really, nobody really gets a vote on who Alabama takes. And I assure you, they've got a game plan. I really, it is like chess. You know, you pull your pawn out thinking, how are you going to get their King? You're not going to get it with that move with the pawn, but you're, you know, you have that game plan to get the King at, you know, towards the end of the game. Well, I think that's how recruiting is for Alabama where every little move matters. And it, it's not just Alabama, it's any great recruiting class. So they will pass on top talent to get, uh, you know, to get guys they want and guys they need. And, you know, this year at the cornerback position, I think it was obvious. They brought in Dalen Everett from IMG. It happened boom, boom, really quick Friday. You know, then there was some debate on whether he had an offer. And all. Well, Alabama never pushed for him. Didn't didn't really, you know, didn't have an offer because they knew they had Elias Ricks who was going to go after signing day was basically over. So it's really just a matter of what each staff prefers. But I really don't think you can gripe too much about this class. But we like surprises, Tim. You know that. We all like the we all like the prize at the bottom of the cereal box. That's the way we're conditioned since youth, Tim. Come on. But do we? I mean, anybody (laughs) anybody that's seen old school, the movie Old School, you know for a fact. Every surprise isn't a good surprise. Oh gosh. Uh what was the flick with San Diego? With Stiller when he goes on the honeymoon. And the uh Cuba. Cuba man. The Cuba. Yeah. Cuba man got got involved in that that deal. Remember that? Yes. Along came Polly. 
Absolutely. Yes. Every surprise. <laughs> people die from surprises. You don't want to walk in on those scuba fins. You uh, know, got a scuba. Oh, Cuba. Ruben. Cuba, Ruben. See how quickly we can get off track here when you get us together. Every surprise doesn't mean it's good. And if you don't believe me, check out my Florida State site. Oof. That was a surprise. Travis Hunter. They didn't like it. So Alabama fans that say it's kind of boring, you know, I'll be honest. I take pride when they say it's boring. You know why? That means we did our job. Exactly. It's boring because we laid the picture out and you knew exactly what was expected to come. Um, and there have been surprises. You remember last year, JoJo Earl, Keanu Coat, yeah, and Roberts. There were surprises. Now there were different. Well, there was a finish to this class. There were three, four, five guys that you didn't really know for sure until yesterday, right? Yeah, I mean, I had a good. You know, you had a good. I mean, you did, and you and you and Hank had certainly provided us oh, with sort fans, of a yeah, uh, fans. And there's map all, quest, but it, there's, still there's things all, that had to be finalized. Yeah, there's all – I mean, see Jalil Skinner. I mean, none of this is done until that ink's dry. I guess it's not really ink anymore, but until that fake signature is checked, you know, I don't <laughs> you know. It's not really done anymore. But, um, I mean, I think there's surprises. There's different layers of surprises. You know, like to me, Jihad Campbell's a massive surprise. Now, if we hadn't covered that so well, on signing day, it would have shocked everybody because this is a guy – Who's a heat? You know, this guy can fly. This guy can get to a quarterback. You know, he's an inside backer. I think will be his first look, which is crazy enough. You see how good he is. Or he's a guy that can just slip out to the edge and be that passer. So it's a guy you love, absolutely love to have. Now, he comes in. Alabama sort of messed with him, sort of recruited him, didn't take visits. I mean, he took off his official visits, committed to Clemson. And took four of his official visits, committed to Clemson. He comes on a whim on a Friday and got a lot of Nick Saban time and a lot of Jeremiah Alexander. You know, we're going to talk about guys that helped in this class. Jeremiah Alexander did a fantastic job of kind of leading the way, um, uh, pushing these guys, talking these guys, keeping this group together. And this is a third straight class, I believe, that's really close in that regard. Um, but that guy comes in, you know, on a whim. I mean, he was scheduled to go to Texas A&M for his fifth and final official visit and decided to spend half his official visit at Alabama on an unofficial visit. So obviously a good sign. Nick Saban's staff put him, you know, you know, put that rolled out that red carpet for him and got him. Normally, that's a huge. So now we kind of snipped it out Thursday, uh, Tuesday before. Mm-hmm. But. You know, in the past, that would be a massive surprise. So there was surprises. I mean, there to me, there were surprises. There just wasn't that out of the blue. And even last year with the guys that kind of surprised us, we knew Jaden Roberts was flipping. We just didn't know when he was. We knew he was likely mm-hmm. to flip. We just didn't know when he was going to flip. Then we had Keanu Coat, who the night before signing day, I started hearing, wasn't 100% firm to LSU, was looking back at Alabama because some of the uncertainty with their staff Wednesday morning, we knew what was happening. Now, JoJo Earl was a last-minute hour to go, and that one happened crazy because first thing we heard was he decided not to sign early. So Alabama's going to go on him. Well, Alabama went on him and convinced him to sign early. So that one was probably a one-hour window. But, you know, I think Alabama fans should be happy there's not major surprises, to be honest with you. I mean, you get a you know, you know, get a one, two, or three-ranked class, um, high school players, and I've got no doubt – 
that Alabama could have pushed just high school players and got the number one class. I have no doubt. But also they were passing up on portal guys and potential guys they like, like Elias Ricks. You know, and mm-hmm. I've several times about the portal, the, I think the first step, you know, I think there's a misconception. A kid hits the portal on Tuesday. It's going to be, especially during the season, that Alabama at the time that Ricks hit the portal was in the middle of SEC championship prep week. You know, there's a, a lot going on there. So I think the first thing you have to realize is they have to do their due diligence. They have to check the grades. Why is he leaving? Are there any issues? Is he academically eligible? Can he just switch over and all that stuff? It's not just, hey, can this kid play? It's not as simple as that. So um, it usually takes a few minutes. You know, I've spent the morning answering uh, questions about uh, Keishon Butte, and he's not even in the portal yet. Yeah. Not really a lot I can add. Step number one is go to the portal. Step number two is start figuring it out from there. But, you know, Alabama looked up, saw they got an Elias Ricks, an SEC starter. I believe he was an All-American as a freshman. Um, you know, they, they got a guy they believe that can come in and help right away. So, you know, you include him in this class of, of the youngsters, and, you know, it's really starting to shape up as one of the best Alabama signed. Yeah, I want to go back on Jihad Campbell a little bit because even in addition to what he brings to the table, and I hear you in terms of versatility at the linebacker position, watching his clips here in the last 12 hours or so, you can see that. You know, he is a guy that can play inside, play outside. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Drew Sanders in terms of his potential versatility, but. Just how that unfolded. Now, was that in connection to maybe a feel that Alabama had for some other guys at the linebacker position? Not that Jihad Campbell was sort of a uh, step down in any way, but they were involved with Shamar James, right? They were involved with Marvin Jones Jr. How does that sort of play out when a guy comes onto the the public's radar anyway, not so much you or Hank or uh, the Alabama staff, but how does that sort of all play into the, into the situation where a guy comes in like that? I think with Jihad, Jihad, you got to look at it a little differently because I don't think Alabama is really going to turn down pass rushers. Right. See a guy that can get to the quarterback. I think they move to the front of the list for Nick Saban. I mean, even coming down the stretch, I mean, it's hard to say, because of, you know, the semantics and fans are so worried that the kid was ranked here and Alabama didn't pass on him. But Alabama, like, for instance, coming down that stretch, Marvin Jones would have been a guy that it would have been hard for Alabama to pass on. Big guy, that edge guy, that flash guy, um, even though I think he's a little – I mean, that kid gained 30 pounds his last year. He looks like a big old monster Jonathan Allen type guy more than he does like a clowny coming off the edge. But obviously a guy that can pressure the quarterback. So Bama – had that guy as a possibility where it was harder to figure out. I mean, you got to make tough decisions at some point. You have to decide. We only have so many spots. Do we want Elias Ricks to come in in a year? We're going to be top three preseason rank and possibly lose a couple of defensive backs, cornerbacks to the draft. Do we want to bring a guy in we believe can start or do we want to get a freshman in mm-hmm. freshman offensive lineman like Ernest Green? Or Anthony Lucas, you know, a big guy at the end, a big athletic guy, but not really a pass rusher. So they have to make tough decisions. So with Jihad, I think when you know, with him being a, you know, you know, a uh, 
edge guy, get to the quarterback, or, you know, a sick'em guy, find ball, get ball, I think that he would have had a spot at the beginning no matter what. They obviously took him while Marvin Jones was still on the table. Shamar's an inside backer. Alabama didn't even send him a letter of intent. I think that that was enough back and forth that they knew, like, you know, this this probably is just too much drama for us. And, uh, you know, he, Shamar always felt like his kid that wanted to leave the state. And we ran across kids – you know, back in me and your prime time, it would have been uh, yeah. Chad Jackson. He's just the mm-hmm. guy who wanted to leave the state. And every now and then you find those guys that just want to leave the state. Went to Florida too, right? Chad did. Yeah, Chad did go to Florida. You know, and that's a fun school. If you're living in Alabama your whole life, I can see you being enamored with the Florida. But Shamar, you know, committed there early on, kind of out of the blue. Flirted with George. He definitely flirted with Alabama. Um you know, you know, giving indications at least twice, I think, that he was going to Alabama and then just flip-flopping back and forth. So, but I think Jihad was always, you know, going to be a guy they couldn't turn down. And you got to remember, there wasn't a lot. They recruited him, but the kid committed to Clemson, and Dabo has that no-visit policy. So he had taken four of his official visits, and it was pretty quiet. But the minute he decommitted, Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was, you know, schools pounced. The Aggies got him on campus, you know, pretty quick, and Bama worked him to get an unofficial. But I think if that guy hadn't been committed to Clemson, I think he'd have been a top priority for Alabama the whole time. Yeah, pretty interesting from the linebacker perspective because in-state, Shamar James uh, wanted to go out of state. And then you also had the situation with Robert Woodyard uh, from Mobile, longtime Alabama commitment that ends up signing – uh, with Auburn, but again, between yourself, Hank, uh, the updates that you provided us there at BamaOnline.com, that didn't come as a surprise either. No, I think, Rob, I think you scored a C. That one was back and forth. I mean, you had Alabama had committed him early. Robert, there's a lot of Auburn smoke for a while. He was taking a lot of visits. He has a cousin. Uh, I forget, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Was it Lee Hunter, the big defensive lineman that committed? Uh, to Auburn the year before. Sounds right. Yeah, I think that's him. Big, big, big monster D lineman. Uh, big, nice looking kid. He committed. So Robert was taking visits there. Kind of a quiet guy. And, you know, I think just at the end of the day, it just sort of was like everyone felt he was flipping up, you know, probably Alabama. And I think, you know, Robert, you know, there wasn't the same amount of attention paid to him as there was early in the process. And that's happened before when kids flirt with other schools. So I really think at the end of the day, it was best for both. I like Robert. I think he's going to be a terrific player. Um, I know Auburn celebrated him, but I think it would have been a little bit harder to find playing time in Alabama. Some X-factor types in this Alabama class, Tim. And offensively, I look at a guy like Emmanuel Henderson because his skill set, his body type, speaks to the potential to play different positions, but with the situation at running back right now for Alabama and understanding the transfer portal could still be very much in play at that position. What are your initial thoughts on Emmanuel Henderson and, you know, where he'll get his start in the program? Yeah. You know, when you look at guys, I mean, again, we go back to the no surprises. When you look at guys in this class, Emmanuel Henderson, five-star kid committed early tremendous athlete with you know for me when I see these guys you know there's certain guys certain athletes I see that I start thinking um man this kid could play several positions you know it goes back to sort of like he's similar to a Keenan Allen not saying they're the same type player but that versatility of running back linebacker safety all those kind of things but this is a guy that committed early 
you know, had national, could have named, you know, do, you know, two dozen schools if he wanted to, uh, that he had offers from. But I think he'll get the first look at running back. Now, say the running back room is in flux because you've got guys that are injured. You've got Jamarian Miller, who Alabama flipped from Texas, who's that Texas big between the tackle type running back, similar to Jace McClellan, in my opinion. Um, and then you got Henderson here. And like you said, there's a lot of smoke around Jameer Gibbs, the running back at Georgia Tech, who's in the portal. I definitely think Alabama's in play there. To me, Gibbs bring Gibbs brings a little bit different than the rest because you know, you know what a great receiver he is out of the backfield. Um, and you know what a game changer that can be with those wheel routes. And I think Kamar Weeks yeah. has that potential to do that when he's back and healthy. So I think you get a little bit different. If you look at Jamarian Miller, you look at Henderson, and you look at Gibbs, even if you bring all three in, you're getting a little bit different from each of them. You know, Miller's that guy that's going to fall forward, move the change. Big kids got speed. Big, thick kids going to stay between the tackles. So you got a little bit for everybody in that package. Ty Simpson, in relation to – this amazing run of quarterbacks that Alabama has brought in with an emphasis on the last four or five years, where do you at least initially put him in that group? Does he have the potential in your opinion to be one of these Heisman finalist type players in a few years time understanding Bryce Young still has at least another year in the program. It kind of sets up for Ty Simpson potentially at least like it did for Bryce Young, come in for a year, sit, play behind Mac Jones, year two, you're the guy. Maybe that's how it's going to work for Ty Simpson. Yeah, you know, it's hard to place him. You know, it was easier. You know, if I go back and try to rank them based on what we thought of them coming out of high school, it'd be a lot easier for me. But what we thought we had with Mac out of high school is definitely not what we had Mac out of college. You know, things change right. with Tua. We kind of knew what Tua was. You know what I mean? We kind of knew what Bryce was. Um, Jalen was a little bit more questions. You know, we're trying to figure out how he could pass and all that stuff. But, yeah, with Ty Simpson, I mean, you're looking at a guy, he's not the biggest guy. Well, maybe he is compared to Bryce, you know, because we got fans that swore he's 5'6 all year. (laughs) I think Ty is seven foot tall now that I think about it. You know, he's a few guys, a really good athlete. He's a coach's son, college coach's son. Um, what I like about him is what he does off platform, what he does when he's mm-hmm. around, when he's scrambling and all that kind of stuff, because as great a passer as Mac Jones was and is Mac Jones was great at being elusive in the pocket. He not like he's running and pulling it down and running for 35, 40 yards like Jalen was, but he was really hard to get your mitts on really hard to get your helmet on uh, a hat on that guy. So with Simpson, and you've seen that with Bryce. Bryce doesn't necessarily, you know, look at the difference between Bryce scrambling now versus earlier in the year when he wasn't. He is a, he's, you know, he's a double the threat he was before because he picks his spots, pulls it down and run. We all saw the option against Georgia, really heads up play. Well, I think Simpson's got that kind of potential, off platform, busted play, running around to make those kind of plays. Um, and he's a little bit more in control. Tua could do that. But two also could do a spin in 360 interception for a touchdown. <laughs> two came from that Brett Favre line. I think controlled like Bryce, I think Simpson falls in that mode a little bit more. I love that Ty Simpson, and I think your comparison to Bryce in that way is what I see, remains in passer mode through it all. You watch the highlights, you watch the clips of Ty Simpson, and he's a whirling dervish, and then he's – you know, sprinting one way, reversing field, but 
still maintains that passer mode where he's looking to make plays with his arm. And I think you're right about Bryce, too. I think maybe Bryce came to the realization that, you know, they don't give you any more yards for converting third downs with your arm as they do with your legs. You still get the same yards and the same conversions. Just like if you run for a couple of touchdowns, it's still six points where you throw for it or run for it. And uh, that has been a a pretty notable difference in the second half of the season. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some big people on both lines of scrimmage. We'll start on the offensive line where it looks like Alabama from a tackle and interior positions perspective, pretty much check those boxes. I'd say Elijah Pritchett has more of the true tackle. Look Tyler Booker, a guy that could be either or both. Uh, and then Dane Shore is a very intriguing prospect simply because he, he really hadn't been on the football field much the last couple of years, I guess. Yeah, you know, Shore is kind of a mystery because, you know, here's the thing. you got to go off uh, the camp, what the, what the Tide coaches see in camp. I say this every year. They love to camp. We talk about it every year. They love to see the kids at camp. Uh, from a player perspective, you see how they move. You see how they interact with other players. That's so huge. You get them one-on-one, you get to talk to them. You know, you find out if they're a yes or no, sir, or roll their eyes at you when you talk to them. There's a lot that goes in to those camp performances. And Dane Shore, not really camp, but he was up there and worked out one day on a visit. So you have to trust, you know, that part. But, you know, like you said, I know nothing else. Hasn't played in two years. You know, two years ago he was injured at IMG. This year uh, there was some kind of Georgia transfer. Transfer rule, yeah. Georgia has some weird stuff going on. I'm not – you know, they have the Jake R.C., the kid that ended up at Miami. They had that whole Rush Probst show about him moving in and couldn't play for Rush, but he could transfer to another Georgia school and play. Uh, so, I mean, Georgia's got, you know, a lot of activity going. There's a lot of college there. But, yeah, if you look at those offensive linemen, I don't know how you don't get excited about Tyler Booker. Uh, so much to like. I think he's an interior guy. He's got the size mm-hmm. of edge but i think he could end up on the inside big monster but elijah pritchett come on man that kid that's not normal he looks like a kid that never played football and finally his senior year he's been playing basketball forever finally his senior year's talk coach talks him to go out and that's what he looks like big athletic kid can move can drive can finish he's going to be raw you know you say that about any offensive lineman basically but he's got some natural power Charles Kelly did a fantastic job. I mean, there was a lot of lot of push on that kid down there from Carver. You know, the Carver area, Columbus, Georgia area is highly recruited, highly competitive. You got Georgia, you got Florida State, you got a lot of schools in there trying to compete. And to me, he's he's as about elite as they come in class uh, at that tackle position, especially if we're talking upside. Yeah, he's a guy that's not even 300 pounds yet. But the words you used in watching his tape that stood out to me is power. This is a powerful dude to be in that 280-pound range. You think about when he is 300, 310, whatever uh, they develop him into at Alabama, uh, to go along with that athleticism and the natural bend that you see with him in pass protection. Yeah, there's good things about Elijah Pritchett. I'll say this about Dane Shore, too. Just looking at that sophomore tape, you can see some of what, Alabama staff probably saw in that workout on campus in that technically to me, he's the most advanced of the linemen they signed yesterday. Not quite there physically going to take some time. I think from that perspective, but 
I think for, for all these guys, there's, there's a lot to like. And, um, and then, so we talk about the defensive side. I, I thought Curtis Perry yesterday was low key. One of the biggest gets or signing day finishes that there was maybe in the entire sec, especially for Alabama, Tim, because as you know, uh, haven't quite had the playmakers, the depth of playmakers up front the last couple of years. They've had Christian Barmore, Fedarian Mathis has come on this year. But you watch Curtis Perry on tape, and what you see is the potential for a lot of tackles for loss and a lot of quarterback pressure numbers. I mean, seriously, he had – I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't recall last year seeing his film as a junior – and this year as a senior, I don't recall any better film than his. It's like disruptive. Just, just, just high school film. If you like, and I sent it to pro guys and college guys, and they were all like, what the hell? And, you know, you know, of course, the question is how big is he? He's not your six foot three, 285 pound guy. What he is is probably six one, a little bit over six one, um, somewhere between six one and six two, and he looks like he has a rocket shoved up his butt. He literally <laughs> is gone on every – and that's not just his highlight tape. That's the games. I was watching one of their playoff games on the, the, the app and had a terrible feed, and they were wearing this blue number, blue, navy blue, red base jersey. I couldn't tell you know who was who, but I knew who Curtis was. I just watched the quarterback and see who was flying around. I could tell who Curtis was on almost every single play. Kid just gets after it. He's a workhorse. Um, you know, and Jihad Campbell's another one that that I saw that in. They just chased the ball. Again, fine balls, get ball, sick ball, set all kind of records uh for tackles for loss. Just, you know, to me, I agree, he's just a monster signee from a production standpoint. You know, and he doesn't have to be six foot three, six foot five to be productive in college. I mean, you know, I'm hearing people comparing him to Aaron Donald. I'm not, I'm not ready to go that far, but I do. If you watch Aaron Donald's high school film, there's some similarities there. I mean, it's hard to compare anybody to Aaron Donald. He's, you know, maybe, I mean, he's in the discussion for best defensive tackle ever, but if you're talking about size, get off and and playmaking ability, I think that's where you see that comparison, but yeah, he was a huge one. It looks like another mix similar to the offensive line. When you have that kind of guy in Perry that you can play as an end that in time, as he gets a little bigger, you're going to be able to push him inside in some passing situations. Then you go after more of the prototype nose tackle and get him in Jaheim Otis. And then a guy that is going to be really fascinating to watch play out given that he has the limited experience, at least in the States anyway, and Isaiah Hastings and how, you know, he's sort of that complement between say a Perry and then also an Otis at that nose tackle position. Yeah. You know, Hastings, I mean, you remember how much I love Barmore Um, Hastings, you know, sometimes you watch film and you get a vibe of a kid that you've seen before especially you've been doing as long as we have. You'll see that kid, and you'll get that same feeling. Well, with him, when I saw Hastings for the first time, Bama had just offered. I just posted about it on the message board. Alabama's going to be a major player after offering this kid, um, after watching this kid. And that's the first thought in my mind was Christian Barmore. Yeah. It was Christian Barmore. Now, he's probably not as big as Christian, but I got that feeling of big, raw, dancing bear, strong, huge. Dancing hand. bear. There it is. I mean, watch that kid. Though, you know, Christian, You're right. 
If yeah. he puts his mitts on you, it is game over. He's literally can pick you up, carry you around, shake some sense until you take you to the bus. That's what <laughs> a big defensive lineman can do. So, you know, add that guy. It wasn't super deep. Um, it wasn't super deep on the defense. Isn't next year a big year for DL, though? Is that correct in that assumption? That yeah, I think so. And, you know, corner 2023. Yes, and we'll get to cornerback where everybody – I don't know where a fan base comes up with what's a priority over the coaching staff. Alabama recruited, you know, I'm skipping ahead to cornerbacks, but they recruited a handful of cornerbacks, right? How many do we hear about this cycle? And they were the best of the best. It was Terrence Brooks. It was Earl Little, who I think is as good as anybody yeah. uh, out there. So there wasn't that many guys they recruited. So it wasn't like they put out, you know, the mushroom cloud to go get us five guys. Part of that's going to be they knew they had Ricks. They got Earl Little, who's one of the best ones in the prep landscape. But also, you know, Alabama's got to think ahead. They got three five-star defensive backs, cornerbacks in the state next year. Not saying they will all end up five stars. That's a hard thing to do. But three five-star 2023 kids, and they are all legit. You got Traquan Fagans in this class, too. Absolutely. You know, and he's a guy I believe he's going to be a safety not sure he's flexible enough to be a corner, but he's got corner traits. I mean, he he he's a really good football player. Yeah, he's a physical corner, Traquan Fagans, and watching his tape, looked like Thompson played him into the boundary a good bit. Um, but certainly, you talk about he's six foot two, and that's where a lot of these guys in the secondary check those boxes. Antonio Kite in that mix at the safety position as well. Jake Pope coming in from Buford High School. Uh, in the state of Georgia, the back end with the addition of Ricks via the transfer portal looks to be in good shape. You know, we talked a little bit about the linebacker position, but really need to get your thoughts on the top guy in this class overall. And Jeremiah Alexander, a guy that you've certainly been around a good bit here in the last few years and watched develop. And, uh, you know, you talk about size and skill set. There's some Guys around the SEC this year that come to mind, like Sam Williams of Ole Miss, previously guys like Ryan Anderson at Alabama. But physically, Tim, the standard for these guys at his position moving forward, entering the program is going to be Will Anderson. Fair or not, Will came in pretty much ready to go. Uh, not all of that was physical. A lot of it was he was mature and he was advanced in terms of technical aspects. So where do you see Jeremiah Alexander in terms of his status right now, uh, maybe in relation to a Will Anderson? No, for me, it's hard to compare Jeremiah to Will. Um, I think Jeremiah's more of that anchor, anchor end. I mean, if you mm-hmm. watch him, that edge guy, he definitely can get to the quarterback. He definitely is a guy that can jam a tight end coming off the line. He's a smart guy that's going to read plays, make a lot of plays. He's an intense guy. You know, funny enough, early on, I was curious what his mental makeup would be because he is a great, he's a really nice kid. He's a good kid. You didn't really see a lot of toughness as far as meanness. I should say not toughness. He's definitely tough. You didn't see a lot of attitude when he was Edge. young. Yeah. He comes from good parents. And, you know, when you're young and you're bigger than everybody, you're constantly hearing, Jeremiah, don't hurt him. Jeremiah, don't hurt him. <laughs> he got to high school and it was, you know, it was no more hammer, don't hurt him. He was hurting people. He was hitting them, picking them up, letting them know about it. A totally different animal on the field. Flip that switch on the field, you know, to a monster. Great kid still off the field. So 
he got that as a player. You know, I was talking to Charles Power. He used to work for BOLs, now with On3. We were discussing, I agree with his assessment, Brandon Graham. That was a comparison we both loved. Brandon Graham played at Michigan. I saw him in the prep ranks, um, plays for the Eagles now. I think he's a top 15 pick in the draft. But he's got that kind of build. And if you remember, Brandon's that guy that would, that would you know, lock up that edge, could seal that edge, could uh, run a little bit with guys. I mean, he's not going to be Will because Will's get off. And I'm hesitant to compare anybody to Will. His get off's just stupid. You know, I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, Will, Will's so good. He almost, Will Anderson is so good that this year they pulled the Jordan rules on him. Like, we can't give him every award. He literally could have won every award. Uh, defensive player of the year, obviously, you know, defensive lineman, lineman of the year. Could, my opinion, definitely should have been in the Heisman, uh, yeah. Heisman conversation. I think he finished third with first place votes, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so I think that he so it's hard for me to compare him. But I think when you're looking from work ethic, <clears throat> I think when you're looking from attitude and what he brings to the locker room, I think it's even across the board as a player. I think he's going to try to be will. But I think he's going to be a little bit more um, of some of those other guys you mentioned. I mean, it's just hard to be will. You know, I mean, his sure. I mean, he's getting double teamed to doing what he does. It's not like people are still singling up on him. And I give, I'll give I'll give Dallas Turner half of Dallas Turner sacks to Will. That's how good Will is. <laughs> There's so much attention to Will. Dallas is running, you know. A well, little bit. And you think about no Christopher Allen and what yes. Will sees as a result of that. That's absolutely amazing. You think about what his numbers might be had Christopher Allen been around. Now you could say, well, Christopher <laughs> Allen would have <laughs> ate into some of those, but Christopher he, Allen would have demanded some attention too. The thing about Jeremiah that stands out is like everybody's like we didn't get any excitement. Hell, if we did, and y'all were worried sick about this kid for six months. <laughs> he decommitted to him. God, he liked a Georgia fan's tweet that said, "Jeremiah, you're the best." Oh Lord, he said he likes Stabo. You know, there was a lot of excitement. People, we from- love, we love the passion. I remember we that on the board all the time. He gone, he gone. <laughs> you know, but he didn't go. It, it turned out to be. The best player in the class, and he turned out to be a leader and a recruiter in that class. So, you know, hats off as a guy that fans should, you know, appreciate. How about Sean Murphy? This is a guy you watch his tape as a linebacker. Uh, the way he was used in high school, it kind of brings to mind the way Alabama uses Christian Harris at the inside linebacker position and um, just an athletic playmaker, which when you consider what today's offenses demand from opposing defenses this this guy looks like he's an every down player waiting to happen yeah i'm sorry i lost you there for a minute yeah you know when you look um at a guy like that and you know the the thing that was weird with murphy we had him super high his sophomore year he went to a combine and you got to be careful going to these combines of these camps you have people that hold those numbers against you and really can't understand that, you you know, you can have a bad day running or you can have a good day running. He didn't run particularly well. And I saw the camp video. He looked like he had a – he was gimpy. He looked like his leg was hurt. He was definitely running. Something was wrong with his leg that day. Well, he plummets in the ranking. But, man, his film – watch this kid. I think he won the, he won the Butkus Award, right? High school top linebacker in the country award. This guy's a baller. This guy's a big-time get. Uh, played massively as a senior. Uh, like you said, an every down guy's going to come in and compete. Another one's got that mental makeup that's going for him. And really a guy, even now, he's really underappreciated when it comes to rankings and values. Because, again, 
they're going off some 40 time from, you know, from 1927. Now, 24-7's got them way longer than the rest of the nation. So the composite has it at 57. They're obviously showing a little bit more intelligence. But that that combine, and that's the big, biggest thing about camps is like, uh, who just committed? Um, who was it that ran the slow 40 going into his sophomore year that Alabama just committed? A linebacker? Isaiah Bond. So we've got a kid that okay. four year ran a four seven two going into his sophomore year. And we've got people focused on that. Well, four months ago, five, six months ago in May, he ran a 10, four, eight, 100. Yeah. Verified care what he ran at the middle school field day contest. <laughs> I don't care how, th- how far he threw the chicken, you know, in eighth grade, but what I care is where is he at now? Isaiah Bond can friggin' fly. And I had to answer that question. Like, but he finished third in the sack races at the yeah, field day. Yeah, the one-legged race. Well, you know that. You know he did. His teammates said he drug him down. So the chicken toss was awful. But the guy can fly. So you see that. I would say, you know, to me, I even tell the fans or anybody, watch the film and see what you think. Forget the ranking and forget the times. Watch the film first, get an opinion, and then do the research to see if what you know the testing matches the film. But I mean, you've got guys that Sean Murphy, where they're they're being ranked off, you know, years ago. But anybody seen Sean Murphy as a senior knows he's a bad man. Yeah, and you mentioned Isaiah Bond. I wanted to ask you about this group of wide receivers that Alabama has signed. Um, it's interesting because a year ago we saw some real size at the position with Ajay Hall and Ja'Cory Brooks. And even in the previous class, guys like Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, um, not to the extent of, uh, Brooks or, or Hall, but, but, you know, certainly receivers with size and you look at this group and pretty much a collection of six foot or under, I guess, jazz Preston, uh, coming in, uh, Shaz Preston, excuse me, coming in there, uh, late gives them some, you know, additional size in this class, but man, uh, Prentice, you talked about bond, um, these are dudes that just can really fly. Aaron Anderson, fun, oh, fun guys Kobe. to watch on tape. Kobe now, that's the Kobe's one yeah, of my apprentice. You know, the thing is, is like for the smart guy that covered follows recruiting, he kind of gets what happens. You know, we go through this every year with the, I think people forget re- what recruiting's like. And then, you know, we have all these signings in December. We have a few in February. Well, then recruiting's quiet until August, and those guys forget what happened the previous year, some form of amnesia. But don't forget this summer, Alabama had two guys on campus that were considered five-star wide receivers that they weren't offering. They weren't pursuing. They weren't taking them. And I told the board, Alabama's not taking them, but they did offer this kid from Clear named Kobe Prentice. And you saw the shitstorm that followed. Bama's missing on their top guys. You know, we had to deal with that. I'm like, no, this guy at camp, it and, there, and there's program bias in high schools, too. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, Calera isn't renowned for turning out prospects like, say, Thompson or Hoover, yeah. right? That plays into it. You want to look at them a little bit harder. Absolutely. So this kid earns an offer. They're not paying, taking him. And everybody's literally, you know, the people that say to me, you know, somebody asked me my pet peeves in a little chat I did last night. My pet peeve is mentioning the rankings with who Alabama takes. I swear, if they think Nick Saban, <laughs> I mean, you got to have, you got to be really dumb, honestly, to think that Nick Saban mm. is looking at recruiting rankings and making any decision. We've been through this, Eddie Jackson over 
uh, 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 Von Bell and Jalen Ramsey. I could give you a thousand examples of guys passed on. It's not saying the guys aren't good players. Bama's passed on some great players. Okay, but they've got to get the guys they want in their system. Alabama 100 percent passed on Jalen Ramsey. That does not mean Jalen Ramsey is not a good player, was not a good player. That just means they found a guy, Eddie Jackson, punt returns and everything else. They thought that could help them a little bit more. So those rankings don't factor in. It does to the fans, you know, but I don't think it does for uh, Alabama staff at all. So uh, let's take a little break here. And when we come back on the Bama Online podcast, we're going to get into the BOL mailbag from the roundtable, the Thursday pod mailbag uh, right there on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. We'll do that with Tim Watts right after this. Hey, I've mentioned here in recent days, home field apparel. As we get closer to the Christmas holiday and you got that checklist, you got those Bama fans you need to take care of. No better place to do that than at homefieldapparel.com. They've got every kind of look you would like from the Alabama Crimson Tide perspective. They can do it with T-shirts. They've got hoodies, sweatshirts. You name the kind of apparel you're interested in when it comes to University of Alabama athletics. You're going to find it. At Home Field Apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com while you're there at checkout after you fulfill all those needs for those Alabama fans on your list. Just enter Bama247 at checkout. Bama247 at checkout on your initial purchase there with Home Field Apparel. You're going to get 15% off your entire order. That's right now at Home Field Apparel and Home Field Apparel. Dot com. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast, the day after the early signing day for the 2022 recruiting cycle alongside BOL site publisher, Tim Watts. And Tim, as promised, we've got some mailbag interaction for you. And we'll start with Bama Cassidy, who asks, what's the biggest position of need coming off of the early signing day? Uh, And do you think more emphasis will be put on transfers or high school recruits that are still out there moving forward? And I guess there are a couple of high school guys of note that as we record this at midday on Thursday, uh, we mentioned Jalil Skinner earlier, um, but uh, maybe some other guys that are still out there potentially for this class, Tim. Yeah, well, I think you know one of the things that makes any great recruiting staff is how thorough they are. We know Alabama is going to recruit – and evaluate to the very end. There's probably guys, you know, there's probably guys that were close to getting Bama offers or are close enough to bring in for visits that will be available later on. Some of those dreaded three stars possibly. <laughs> be here. So, but I think the first priority now, I think we're looking at steps, you know, and the first step was to get through the Auburn game, get through the SEC championship game. And then they turned their attention to recruiting, focusing on the high school kids. Well, they get through the high school signing period yesterday with the exception of Skinner. But, I mean, they're happy with, with exactly how that fell. Um, and now they've turned their attention. I think you're seeing the portal a little bit for needs. You needed a starting cornerback or somebody that could compete for the starting cornerback job. So, you you know, you have Elias Ricks. Um, and there's other guys they're looking at. But I do think that right now the portal guys, because whoever's not signing until February, 
it's not a rush to really get involved with them, right? Because they can't take visits. You can't really talk to them that much. You can't see them face-to-face in the dead period. So your priority now is probably going to be football beating Michigan and evaluating those guys after the playoffs. I'm sorry, Michigan, beating um, beating Cincinnati and uh, seeing who wins the uh, Georgia-Michigan game. And then you'll move on to recruiting after those games are over. So, you know. Yeah, it would seem like there would be more – urgency with a guy like a Jameer Gibbs who as you said transfer portal based because I'm sure he's thinking he's going to be somewhere in January right so that's another thing is these guys a lot of these guys are hoping to transfer today perhaps tomorrow exactly soon yeah. as get there I don't know I don't know the track I got to buffer up on these transfer portal rules I didn't really get to know them the rules because I didn't think it was going to stick <laughs> uh, I just thought that the time frame was too messed up between early yeah. period playoffs. I just think they're going to have to adjust the calendar. But I, I don't even know, like, can a guy come in now and practice with the team like Ty Simpson is? So yeah. I don't know all the rules. So can practice on campus. And uh, that's interesting, though, from the transfer perspective, because I'm with you. I hadn't really considered yeah, that. Where that's what I need to find out. You know, can, you know, can Eli he, Ricks. Yeah, can yeah. he? I don't know the per, I don't know the benefits of him practicing other than getting he's ready. coming off shoulder surgery anyway. Yeah, that's, that's a good point too. But I think he had surgery like, in October. Yeah. Hey, um, your guy Jam Bama uh, here in the roundtable mailbag at BamaOnline.com. He wants to know your opinion of Josh Pate's outfit from yesterday during that marathon coverage that Josh, this, uh, course of late kick, was a part of. This dude, my dude, this dude. I was just happy he didn't have the white T-shirt rocking, you know, on a big day like early signing day. He actually, he actually classed it up pretty good. From what I saw of Josh, it looked like a nice sports coat, blazer, yeah. you know. It was nice. It was brand new. It's probably been born for three hours. <laughs> Men's warehouse, I fresh mean, off the rack. It looks so new. I mean, it still had the rack. Tate probably leaves the tag in it so he can take it back. As well, Josh, over, Josh, get back in that white T-shirt. Well, Josh is to white T-shirts <laughs> as I am to cargo shorts. And that is true. Tim Watts is I hardcore cargo guy. Out yesterday with that sports coat. Do you do you keep stuff in all the pockets in your cargo I mean, shorts? Do you have something in all of the pockets, Tim? I mean, if a plane wrecked in the desert, <laughs> all they would need are my cargo shorts. There's a Swiss Army knife, I'm guessing, Dude, in one they, of those pockets. Need, At least one. There's stuff I reached in those pockets and didn't even know it was there, like three M&Ms at the bottom, <laughs> and they hit the spot. Oh, like, like quarters under the couch cushions. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how long these M&Ms have been in there, but it's they're It's a treat. Wonderful. It's a treat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a pleasant surprise, Bama recruiting fans. All right. Jay Owens, 35, wants to know, what do you think the staff is going to do about the running back position with all the injuries and the uncertainty? With Kamar Wheaton, does Alabama go to the portal to get an experience back? I guess this is what we've pretty much covered uh, with Jameer Gibbs. You know, I would say this. Just because it's a rumor on a message board doesn't mean it was true. I mean, obviously, Nick Saban touched on Armour Davis. I mean, all of a sudden, reports were he had surgery, he was out. I mean, that didn't seem to be the case from what Nick Saban said. Just because it's a rumor doesn't mean it's true. Twitter, believe it or not isn't always like the best news source, you know, it isn't. no man, like every now and then they get <laughs> something wrong, you know, it's crazy that way. But, um, I think, you know, Kamar, you know, Roy Dell, all these guys, I mean, obviously coming through with 
lower body injuries. I think they've got enough guys, and they should be ready by August. You know, most of these injuries happen fairly early. Um, Kamar certainly, hopefully, has a chance to be ready by. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is nobody's really even talked. I mean, I know there's been a lot of speculation with Kamar, but you know, nobody Saban's really never really addressed it deeply. But yeah, they, I think the speculation is a byproduct of just not a lot. Yeah, going on. That's what being said about it. That's why the best horror movies don't show you the bad person. It doesn't <laughs> show you like the Blair Witch Project. You have to your imagination runs wild. That's what runs wild when we don't know something in sports. But obviously, if they get a Gibbs, you bring in a Jamarian Miller, and you bring in an Emmanuel Henderson. You know, it's crazy, crazy to me is I've heard nothing but good things about Tomoy Kennedy at running back. Dude's a dude's a freak athlete, man. If you go back and watch his high school tape, you saw what he was capable no, of. He lost, you know, Lawson was that same way. But yeah. I, when I heard the feedback, I mean, I saw him on the field, and he looked like a, a linebacker carrying the rock, you know. And a lot of these great defensive players Alabama's had, especially on that back, the back end, linebackers on back, they were fantastic athletes. Shit, go watch Landon Collins' running back film in high school. Henry Toa Toa was a damn good high school running back. Dante High, you remember our boy? Yeah, returning punts. Yes, Keenan Allen is proof. Bama liked him at safety. He has been an all-pro NFL wide receiver. So can't tell me Minka can't play on the other side of the ball. Marlon Humphrey can't play. So you see a lot of these guys that are just terrific athletes. So, But DeMoy, I've heard a lot of things about DeMoy possibly staying there. I wouldn't expect Christian to stay there, but I think DeMoy could get him through uh, you know, April, you know, I think he could get him through the spring game and, um, you know, we could see a lot, you know, we'll see a lot of things, you know, then I think they'll be fine, especially if they look, you know, if they go to the portal and get a guy like Gibbs again, he's a, he's a seasoned veteran. Yeah. Had a he's a feature type back. He is. Don't, don't make any mistake about it with that yeah. guy. Just in a bad, you know, that's just a bad situation. You know, just, you know, the Georgia Tech offense really struggled. Um, but again, you got Jamari Miller who's going to come in and be able to contribute. One of those running backs, they'll be healthy. They'll be fine. Um, you know, I'm not saying they all won't, but I think there's a possibility that all those guys are, you know, getting close to 100%. And don't Trey Sanders has done some nice stuff. Hey, yeah. Trey Sanders has slowly worked himself back. And I still don't think he's 100%. I still think he's 80, 85%. So I think he will be at a hundred percent next year going into the season. He's, you know, he's a good football player. Dioshi 23 in the round table mailbag wants to know which non high profile commits are you most excited about? Several have gotten lost for me, like Isaiah Hastings, et cetera. And I think you could even look here at guys like, as you mentioned earlier, Kobe Prentice, Antonio Kite would fit that mold. Uh, and then a couple of tight end types, too. Amari Nyblack, Elijah Brown, uh, Dioshi mentioned Isaiah Hastings. Uh, wh- where would you go with that one, Tim? You know, you know, I think first thing that stands out about this class is how well they did in Louisiana getting the top two offensive wide receivers. Still in it for Kendrick Law, who decides tomorrow we haven't discussed. So I think they did a good job in Louisiana. We really haven't talked about that enough. But when you look, there's a lot of guys like Isaiah Bond. We haven't really got to know Isaiah as mm-hmm. much as we usually would. You know, the guys that commit in the summer, we spend all summer talking about them, right? 
We're talking. We got June, July, August. We're bored. We're waiting for practice. We talk about it. But the guys, Isaiah Bond or whoever who commits two days before the LSU game or whenever they commit, we don't talk about as much. We just check them off and move on. So this is a great question. But yeah, Kobe Prentice is a guy we still don't talk about enough. I've never had a single human being like see him that didn't love him. Talking about really good athletes, Antonio Kites, another one. Another Charles Kelly guy did a terrific job. Freddie Roach did a terrific job with Kobe Prentice. Amari Nyblack, that's a freaky guy. I mean, when I'm getting feedback on Amari Nyblack of this guy just had a top three camp performance, and the other two are Amari Cooper and uh, Julio Jones, wow. that's a damn mouthful. I mean, yeah. The thing with Amari was, hey, we just had the best performance since Julio. So I was like, holy crap. Mm. Now I'm like, hey, we just had the best performance since Amari and uh, a bigger freak since Amari and Julio. And I'm like, geez, you know, that's that's big words, you know, to go off of. And, yeah, I just think those guys, I mean, you know, it, a lot of these guys happen so quick. You could run down this list. Aaron Anderson's another one. Jihad Campbell we'll get to know later. Jaheim Otis. I mean, the thing about Jaheim is – Dude, when you see – he is so big, okay? He is such a big guy. But when you see him like in his street clothes, like somebody sent me a picture in a T-shirt and uh, uh, basketball shorts, dude, he's not a big sloppy-looking dude. He's just a monster of a man. Yeah. Like Terrence Cody looked – you know what I mean? He looked out of shape. He looked too heavy when he when he arrived at Alabama. Um, you know, lost some weight when he got to the NFL and all that. This kid is definitely a little overweight. He'll lose some weight when he gets to college. But this is a big, thick-ass kid. You ain't think Anthony Bryant. This guy's got big monster calves, big monster forearms, biceps, head. Everything about this guy, feet, is just a big man. Yeah, you know, Anthony Bear Bryant, that's the, uh, that's the all-time Alabama Cavs champion, I think. Absurd. I mean, uh, those he- things were... His calves were absurd. There was nothing small about Bear, but, man, the calves were Just were certainly otherworldly. Hey, uh, Saban22 asks, how do we see name, image, and likeness changing recruiting going forward in light of the Travis Hunter deal with Jackson State? Um, you know, there's been conflicting reports, actually, on what's real and what isn't, I guess, Tim. With that Travis Hunter deal that was supposedly for somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.5 million. there were reports after that. This goes back to uh, Twitter, uh, fact-checking on Twitter and social media in general. Uh, the initial reaction seemed to be pushed back in terms of what, what could be in play for Travis Hunter there at Jackson State. But, um, you know, for Alabama, we've seen it with Bryce Young. We've seen some guys – uh, develop some some deals of their own also in basketball and men's basketball under Nate Oates. And uh, is this something that, in your opinion, in time will need to be a big selling point for Nick Saban? Or will the program and the success and the move to the National Football League by dozens upon dozens of Alabama players be enough of a sale uh, where where UA is concerned? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what to make of the NIL. I feel like they've screwed it up, which, I mean, we saw it coming. You know what I mean? We saw it coming. I mean, you know, FedEx, you know, there's rumors of FedEx helping uh, Memphis get basketball kids. And, I mean, it's, you know, it's all basically legal. You know, they're not – you're not supposed to say, Tim, if you come to Alabama, you get right. 
NFL deal because I'm going to Alabama just for the tacos. You're supposed to actually be on campus and have a businessman who says this guy can help me sell my product is what it's supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be a legalized bribe, but you and I, we all knew that's what it would become. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you saw what Texas did, and, and bravo to them. They saved a class. Yeah. They saved an entire class because they were struggling up to that point. So I think they're going to have to— Do you to- think there's something going on at A&M, though, that we just don't know about yet? With And not that—look, Texas a and a really good program— Great facilities, has a history of producing NFL players, but man, uh, where this class is concerned especially, do you think there's something along the lines of what Texas has got going on that we're going to eventually come to learn is going on at A&M's, I guess my point is, A&M's not going to let Texas just do that type of stuff and then not have an answer for it, right? I think it's the opposite. I don't think A&M already had it going. I don't think Texas was going to let Texas A&M do it without Texas getting involved is the way I would see it. Okay. And you saw Texas make up ground. And I'm not faulting either of them. Hey, if you got a loophole, use it. That's yeah. exactly Alabama's used it. Other teams have used any loophole they get. If you get it, I mean, Jimbo Fisher was laughing about the NLI. He's definitely <laughs> got a great game plan for this thing. Now, you're going to screw 99% of everybody else. As Alabama fans, you're going to be fine in this scenario. Um, but you are going to screw over a lot of fan bases. I mean, you saw Lane. I mean, Lane Kiffin's upset about it. Well, now. Lane doesn't have the the arsenal that yeah. A&M has. He, he no, doesn't have as much. He doesn't have as much ass when it comes well, to. Sudden, well, all of a sudden, Lane's worried about rules. All of a right, sudden. right, because he don't have. He doesn't have the ammo. Oh, right. So to now counter A and M or Texas. All of a sudden, so you know, you saw Dabo was upset about, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I mean, it comes off as right. some grapes. Dabo's definitely right in the extent that the last thing we're focused on is academics at this point. There's no doubt academics are. It's an been athlete. that way. It's been that way for a while, though. Yeah, but now we're now we're letting everybody know it's that way. And yeah, it, you're right. I'm not faulting the Travis Hunter. I mean, I'm not faulting oh. Travis Hunter. Like I've never understood. Like Quinn Ewers, he's getting a million dollar deal for autographs. Who the who the hell wants his autograph? <laughs> he's a fourteen quarterback at Ohio State. That is not what Tommy's getting for Christmas. I can assure you. Now Texas, <laughs> Texas is a different animal. As you know, right. Texas, he's a starter. He's from Texas. He's a legend. That's a different animal. So I don't know if the million dollars is. I know this. Saban said Bryce had seven hundred thousand. Then Ohio State's like yours has got a million. You know, I don't know. If that's a it's like an auction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's a coincidence. You know, if it's like, hey, Tim, I went fishing. Me too, Travis. How many you catch? Eight. Well, I caught ten. I don't know if we're in that that mode of this, but you know, I think. But I, but Tim, it's here to stay, right? I mean, you can be Dabo Sweeney, and you can be folks saying we got to do something about this. And I, I do think, in terms of regulation. There's going to have to be some semblance of parameters put in play at some point, but in some form or fashion, man, this is where this is how we're rolling, isn't it? Yeah, I just think they need a commissioner, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to cry, you know, broke or poor mouth as an Alabama fan, but I mean, there's going to be a lot of schools that simply fall to the wayside, you know, schools. Oh, that yeah. Traditionally, now the portal will help a lot of those schools, and what's going to start? I mean, seriously. If you're a smart businessman, football's not necessarily your top priority. There's two issues I have on this. First of all, if you got people whose goal in life is to get rich and play football, they're motivated, right? 
Well, once you make them a millionaire at 17, how motivated are they to be great at football? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that takes that parameter because the end of the goal was to take care of their family and themselves and, and, you know, come up in the world. So I just wonder about that motivational factor that you hear so many great athletes talk about. Um, you know, so that's that's one big issue. And then second, what's to start Quinn Ewers from going to Texas, leading them to a, you know, 11 and two record, go to a bowl game. What's to stop him from hitting the portal again? Time to uh, negotiate my deal, baby. Who's in? I mean, uh, what, stop that behavior. And I don't see how and I'm just using Quinn Ewers as an example because he's so high profile and, you know, obviously went to Ohio State and goes to Texas. What's to stop a guy from uh, re-entering the portal, which is almost like entering free agency to discuss your NIL options, which is renegotiating your contract. What's to stop him? How about Quinn Ewers and Texas taking on Alabama and Austin next September? Yeah. That just got a lot more interesting. And I'm also seeing now as we record this, Miles Brennan, the LSU quarterback, has announced him that he is going to now, in fact, stay with Brian Kelly and the Tigers. You got Max Johnson, of course, from LSU in the portal. It's crazy, man. The thing that's wild you know, the one thing I don't like about the portal, I, I totally disagree about a kid leaving in the middle of the season um, with any of them. I mean, I was taught, I know it's going to sound old school, but I was always taught you finish the season, even if you don't like the coach, you finish the season, even if you don't like the team and all that. So you see a lot of guys like, you know, Marcus Banks, he was a guy that probably would be playing right now instead of just sitting around. And I get you have to practice and get beat up and all of that, but him hitting the portal, nothing really good came from it. I still think that you have to finish the season, go through the motions. And, of course, there's ways around it. I mean, if you want out of the season, you can pull a hamstring or whatever. Um, but, yeah, Brennan's another guy. He, You know, he, he's been in the portal, hadn't left. If LSU gets in a situation where if they play Nussmeyer, they have to burn his red shirt year to play in a bowl game they don't even give a crap about. Yeah. You know, they have to burn his whole, you know, burn his whole year. And his dad's a coach, so he understands what that means. Right. There's, Get Brennan back, and I'm assuming he's playing in this game. But you know, he had that season-ending injury, so uh, yeah, to, we'll see how that goes. Well, you yeah. know, the punter for LSU had a nice pass against Alabama. Maybe just give him a start, save Nussmeyer's year. You know, yeah. Just play the damn punter, and you're six and six. Well, you know, I mean, you go to six and six bowl, hand the ball off to I mean, Ty was, Davis Price seventy-six times if you have to to save the eligibility. You know, everybody. Nussmeyer. Everybody was like saying Lincoln Riley did it right. That's what you got to do to be successful. Well, Lincoln Riley hasn't been that much more successful uh, than Brian Kelly or these other no. people out there. No, a week there, there because you're building a relationship. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like Aaron Anderson had built a relationship with Pete Golding for two or three years. Brian Kelly comes in. He has one day to you know see him. Doesn't even see him. I think Frank Wilson went and saw him. And uh, doesn't even see him, and that you know you can't possibly expect a kid to to flip like that, you know. So you know the thing to me that stands out is the weirdest of this whole coaching search is I want you to think about this. So Clemson's not in the ACC championship game, and right. and it hit that they were hiring Brent Venables on the Monday after their last game of the year or Sunday. They then proceeded to get Brent Venables and Dabo to go around the country doing in-home visits together, and then he left the next week for Oklahoma. There was a whole week gone. Yeah. A whole week gone while they were losing 15 kids to the portal and decommitments. 
where he was out recruiting with Dabo for a lot of the kids who ended up decommitting and leaving anyways. Mm-hmm. What the hell was that lost week about? <laughs> what in the world was going on? Well, it's a great question. Yeah. And, uh, happening that, I mean, what happened that that one week, but you know, and Dabo's a different situation. We could have a whole podcast. I'm curious. Yeah. It's going to be a very interesting stretch for Dabo coming up with pretty much in the last couple of seasons, all of his top assistants on the offensive and defensive sides of the football turning over and even his athletic director, although I don't think that's as impactful for Dabo. Dabo has entrenched himself as the guy where football is concerned. But I guess where Dabo's concerned in comparison to, say, Nick Saban, Tim, I'm not sensing as much from Dabo a willingness to adapt, whether it's NIL, whether it's some other things. Dabo seems like it's going to be the Dabo way, and that's going to produce whatever it produces. Got to finish it or the highway so I can say. Don't <laughs> throw me the alley Travis. I'm open on the wing. I'm I, I know. You were Betty Ako on the I roll, the and I was Quinterly, and I didn't quite get it up there. But, uh, you know, that happens with age, I guess. You know? Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting <laughs> how this thing finishes out the chain. I mean, the one thing about Saban I can't say enough about is how he rolls with the punches. Exactly. I mean, I mean, is Dabo going to do that? I mean, is Dabo going to do that? No, obviously not. I mean, six years ago, was it 2016 or whatever? I mean, who would have thought the flip that we've seen with Alabama scoring 40 plus points a game, Mm -hmm. all this offensive talent. I mean, Alabama had no Heisman winners. They've got four. Alabama's (laughs) never had a Heisman quarterback winner. They've got one. Alabama's got how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Three. Yeah. You know, Jalen's definitely a Bama boy. He says it himself. So they got Jalen, they got Mac, they got two. You go from none to three. I mean, you've seen the offensive swing has been amazing. And not many people are able to do that. And, you know, me and you, we're getting up there. It's hard to change what you are. Yeah. So have to a guy, you know, past 60, 65 years old. 70 now. I need to do this to change, you know, change what we're doing. Well, we're good in the mailbag, uh, but we certainly still have some, again, some open-ended situations for this Alabama recruiting class coming out of Wednesday. So you're going to want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. Again, Tim Watts, our site publisher, leading the way for us, along with Hank South. Uh, They do such an outstanding job, and uh, Tim still – Still plenty for people to check out here in the coming days. You got Alabama getting back on the practice field in advance of Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl. You got Alabama men's basketball this weekend against Jacksonville State, an interesting matchup with Colorado State next week. We got plenty there at BOL, Tim. Absolutely. I love this basketball team. I know they're going to take some lunch, and I know it's a little for people that mostly follow football, for those fans, it's hard to adjust to. You know, you follow football and one or two losses is, you know, devastating. But you follow basketball and it's almost every loss. And we said this after Iona is like a reset. Mm-hmm. They got they got beat by Iona. They got outplayed and they got outcoached and they reset. Look at the run they went on. The other night they played around. You know, you you, you messed around with some a very athletic, underachieved, yeah. undercoached yeah. basketball team. Yeah. And 
you got that butt kicked. So those are learning lessons that will pay off, in my opinion, come March, where they realize that five and four don't necessarily mean a whole lot. Yeah, Nato says it time and time again. Uh, he plays the he, – he comes up with the schedule he does in the non-con so he can get exposed in the non-con instead of it happening once you're in SEC play. So there is certainly a method to the madness where Nate Oates is concerned. Hey, Tim, it's a lot of fun. We'll uh, pick this up a little more regularly. Once you get back from Gotham, I guess, you're off to the bright lights of the big city. New York City, and we are going to have a full discussion on this next week. Yeah, let's do it, man. You know how I am. I'm a, I'm a travel and foodie guy, too, so I'm all about it. We're about to this. We're about to come up. There's a couple of things I'd like to have a podcast on: travel and fantasy. I mean, uh, baseball sports cards collecting. All right, all right. Well, that so let's do it. We'll absolutely do it. Hey, we'll do it all right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Again, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we would certainly appreciate you doing so. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find. The Bama Online Podcast, leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would help us out tremendously, and we would certainly appreciate that as well. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon right here on the Bama Online Podcast.